Good morning. Today's daf is daf Chof Beis. Today's shir is Leilu Nishmas Etel Bas Harav Yisrael Meir and Matasyahu Mordechai Ben Yosef. May the Neshamas have an Aliyah and their memory be a blessing. Um, here we go. Oh, so yesterday we were discussing, um, we were going through the seven ways or seven examples of a Rosha Orum, a sly Rosha. It's not a... He's not uh, blatantly a Rosha, he acts underhanded, he gets people to, he gets other people to act in not an ideal way, not necessarily an Osir way, but not in an ideal way, when it's got nothing to do with him. I see, he's causing trouble for other people, where it's doesn't even, uh, where it's not even serving him. Um, so we did... Um, Um, so we were up to the fifth one, which is on the second last line of Chof Aleph Amud Beis, 21b. It says, Rav Yosef Bachama Omar, Rav Sheshes, Rav Yosef Bachama said in the name of Rav Sheshes, Zeha Machria Achreirim Ba'orchosob. This is someone who gets other people to follow in his ways. What's so bad about getting other people to follow in your ways? So that's how Rashi explains. Rav Asu Kamoni he tells people, look how good I am, follow, look uh, how appropriate my, um, look what I do, follow in my ways. And But his intent is not to, sh- or his whole purpose is to make himself appear pious, but he's not in, in inside he's not pious. Um, he just doesn't want other people to start... Uh, Looking into him. So if you act pious, people won't. Ch- if you if you act like a normal person and some suspicious things go on, people start looking into your background and who you really are and what you get up to. But if you act pious and there are a few suspicious things, then they won't bother you. I was thinking there's two aspects of this. One is often when you have someone good that you're role modeling after, so some things they say are good and some things they say are totally crooked. Well, some examples they set are good, but some examples are not so good. So how do you uh, how do you uh, relate to and know if if they're your role model? How do you uh, relate to them and how do you know where to separate the good from the bad? You're trying to learn from them. The second and a second thing I was thinking of is uh, I mean, sadly, we see many examples of people who have stood up for. Their rabbi stood up for their colleagues, etc., just to uh, to save face, or because how can such a rabbi be doing uh, wrong things? But that's what we see. You get people who act one way and don't this, and they're really just doing it to uh, to push off suspicion. Another one, Rabbi Zayka Omar Avuna. Rabbi Zayka said, "Name of Avuna Zayam Mekel Atzmo Umach Milacherim." This is someone who's always lenient for himself, but stricter than other people. Strict on other people. So you go ask the, the Rabbi Shala, and he said, I oh, know you shouldn't. But everyone knows that his house, he doesn't worry about that. And you ask him another Shala, and he says, No, you shouldn't. Um, where everyone knows that he's not careful with that. Now, I think it's important to realize sometimes you have a person who's asked a Shala has to realize, Well, for him, maybe he should go strict in this area. Yeah. Or for me, most people should be keeping it for various reasons. I'm not going to. So obviously, if the Poisek is viewing the situation and seeing that in that, granted, he's lenient in that situation. For this person, it's much worse. No, sometimes you can see a child who's more easily influenced. So for them to go to a university campus is much worse than for a 
less influence, uh, influence. So for whatever the scenario is, there many times there could be grounds. But this would be someone who constantly tells other people to behave on a more stricter, more pious level than he does. Okay, that's a Rosh Orem. I wasn't clear why. Why does this? So why does it get the category of a Rosh Orem? The evilness is Sla. Rosh is not a good thing. And Orem uh, Sla, we also say is not a. Seems to be a special nature of a Rosh, but I'm not sure exactly why. This is someone who learns Tanakh and he learns Mishnah, but he doesn't do Shimush Tamidei Chachomim. So, wow, that's a Rosh Aram? Someone who learns lots of Mishnah and Torah, Tanakh and Mishnah is a Rosh Aram? So, we've got to understand what is Shimush Tamidei Chachomim, and this is actually what the rest, a lot of the rest of the Daf is going to be focused on this idea. But Rashi explains very importantly, he says, what is Shimush Tamidei Chachomim? So, on the surface, Shimush means serving. So, you act as an assistant, you make sure to be involved, you. Uh, help out your Rosh Hashiva, you spend time with, with them, etc. But he says, what, what is it primarily? He says, to learn out the svara, the, the logic of the Gemorrah, which gives you the understanding, the reason behind the Mishnah. Why? So that's, that's what Shimush Tamidei Chachomim is getting to the underlying reasons, the underlying principles bes- behind the halach is mentioned in the Mishnah. It says, He's a Rosha because his Torah is not clear. When you can't learn from him, um, yeah, through the um, if you get to the if you understand the reason behind the Mishnah, it will make a difference. In whether it's osru mutar, or in monetary cases, whether he should be guilty or innocent. And regarding taharis, whether it's tomei or tahor. And Rashi is going to give us a few examples where you see if you don't understand the what's going on behind, under the surface of the Mishnah, you're going to get the pshat, the psak very wrong. He says, my time. The, um, Says, as we say in a few places, my time or Omar. Why does so and so say this? And we often say, what's the difference? And this is the difference. I, this, whether you pass again like Ruva, the Rebbe Yehuda or Rebbe Meir, the difference is based on X, which makes a big difference. Uh, on the surface, it doesn't seem to be any difference. But when you start uh, delving into it, you, you see the difference, and it makes a big difference. Um, and why is he considered sly? Why is he not just a Rosha, this person who's telling his paskining without without knowing the reasons behind the halachas. Why is he a Rosh Orum? If you hear someone who just quotes Mishnahs all the time, you will think that he's an expert in these in the reasons as well. He sounds like a Tamil Chachom. And you give him Anilak Tamidei Chachomim and you're going to cause distraction because he's going to come out with the wrong side. Very, very often. And the Mishnah points this out in the introduction to why he writes his commentary on Shulchan Aruch. Is if you just read Shulchan Aruch, I mean, I'm tying it to Shulchan Aruch. They're speaking about the Mishnah. The Mishnah is when we read a Mishnah, you see, Rabbi Huda says this, Rabbi Meir says this. Not much discussion of what their source is, why they're saying that, 
but I think it's, it's more clear in our time, which the Maharsha says. Maharsha, I will discuss it a bit more later on. Maharsha says this is someone who paskins straight from Shulchan Aruch. You can't, even though you can read Shulchan Aruch, the Mishnah points out, you don't know what's Doraisa, what's Durabonin, you don't know what's Lechat Chilo You don't know how to reapply it to new, new scenarios. I'll give you just one example quickly. If you read a list of items that are muktza, without ever having done the background to the different types of muktza and what falls into which category, you're going to end up with the wrong aloha. There's certain muktzas that if you need to use them, as long as it's for a mutar purpose, you can. So for example, a hammer. A hammer is muktza. But if you need it to open nuts or something you're allowed to do on Shabbos, you can use the hammer. And many other things that would be muktza like that. There's certain things that are muktza, um, but if you need, so you leave something on the table. Certain types of muktza, if you need to set the table for Shabbos, you can move them off the table or put them somewhere else. So depending on the reason and the understanding behind it, it really changes how to, uh, what, what would be the halacha. So that would just be one example. And that's why it's important to try, learn, and understand the background. It's not, good just, it's not good enough to just know a list of what you can or can't do. Because you need to get to the background, to the bottom of it, to the reason behind them. And that's what learning Gomorrah on the Mishnah is. It's almost unpacking, it's delving into what's behind it. And again, when we go into the Gomorrah, we don't get a chance to, because we're doing Dafyomi, we're just uh, reading the surface. But that's one of the biggest criticisms and weaknesses of Dafyomi, as opposed to trying to get to the bottom of, okay, so Rav Hune explains the Mishnah like this, and I think who the Bible looks at. Rabbi Zayr explains, I'm not sure. Um, Rav explains the Mishnah like this, and Abai explains the Mishnah like that. You've got to try and pack. Why are they saying that? Why are they learning the, the Mishnah differently? What's the principle underlying Rav? What's the principle underlying Abai? And then you can take Mishnahs, the, the Gomorrahs and the Mishnahs, to build up and explain new scenarios. That's what phenomenal about Rav Moshe Feinstein is that he takes Gomorrahs and Rishonim, but he takes them Morris and he uses them to apply to the most modern contemporary issues that he had to deal with. Issues that hadn't come up before, that were new discoveries or new, uh, new, uh, new medical procedures. There are a few that he had to uh, deal with and he uses Gomorrahs. Why? Because he understood the depth and the reason underlying the Gomorrah which makes it alive and relevant and practical to all cases. But if you just learn Mishnah, you just learn this is what you can do, this is what you can't do. Besides, you're going to get the Psak wrong, because very often, you know, oh, maybe it's only Drabonin, maybe it's only in certain circumstances. We'll see later on, sometimes the Gomorrah will address a Mishnah and say, well, that Mishnah follows an individual, and we follow the majority. So you're going to Paskin like the Mishnah you learned, you're going to get it all wrong. So very often, you're going to get the Psak wrong. But even if you're getting the Psak right, you're never going to be able to reapply it and integrate it into your life. Okay, so those are the problems with uh, with uh, those are the seven examples of a Rosh Aram. And the last one we said was someone who doesn't, it's not Shimush Tamilei Chachomim, and now we're going to go into the importance of learning Torah and with a focus on the underlying Sephora. What's the... We, we say logic, but I don't know if logic is the right words. What's the reason? What's the principles? Yeah, what's the essence, the reason, the principles that it's based on? So itmar... If someone learns, uh, learns Tanakh and Mishnayos, but he doesn't 
Shimush Tamidei Chachamim. Okay, this you also get from your rabbi because oh, many say that nowadays we have all Svarim. So you can use your, before they didn't have Svarim. I mean, uh, in the times of the Gemara, they didn't really have Svarim. It was all oral. Even though Rebbe had written down the Mishnah, it still wasn't really, mostly they were using it orally. They did have written records, but it was mo- primarily still oral. So to learn the Gemara and learn how to analyze a Mishnah and explain a Mishnah and what's going on behind the Mishnah, you had to have a Rebbe and you had to spend time with him. But even nowadays, you see an advantage. You can often tell someone who's just learned things from books as opposed to someone who's interacted with a Rav, who's an experienced Poisek, how they know how to address the person, how they know how to address the issue, work out how to apply it in, a, in the complexities of a real human situation, as opposed to if you just learned it from books. But many do hold that books are sufficient. So I'm going to, we're going to go with that, but there is still an aspect, even nowadays, that there's many, many books and examples, and you can learn Shulchan Aruch, and you learn the commentaries behind Shulchan Aruch, you can learn the Gemara, and you can learn the Rishonim on the Gemara, without ever coming in contact with another person, because these books are all readily available. There still is an advantage and an importance of interacting with the Talmud Chacham. But again, as we said, the Shimush we're referring to is learning the underlying reasons. What we would, what the Gemara is to the Mishnah is what Shimush is to Halacha. And that's what we're referring to. So, if someone learns Tanakh and Mishnah, but he doesn't do Shimush Tamidei Chachamim, Rabbi Elazar Oimer, Harezeh Amar, Rabbi Elazar says, this is an Amar, Rabbi Shmuel Benachmeni, Amar, Harezeh Bor, Rabbi Shmuel Benachmeni says, this is a Bor. Rashi points out, an Amar we don't trust, for, an Amar is someone who doesn't know anything, he doesn't learn Torah. So someone who just learns Torah and, Mish, and uh, Mishnah is as good as an Amar And Rashi adds out, there's a halachic difference, um, or, yeah, the, the, there's no halachic difference between an Amoritz and a Bor, but, uh, but important to know, an Amoritz we don't trust with Trumas and Masras and Taharas. Uh, the Ma'ashah points out further, a Bor is more degrading, a Bor. An Amoritz is someone who, he just doesn't know. But he could still be a decent person, he just doesn't know Torah. But a Bor is someone who's not even refined in his characters. Says Rabbi Yanai, Oimer Rabbi Yanai says, Hareze Kuti. He's a Kuti. Now, a kuti, halachically, a kuti is even worse. A kuti, we don't drink their wine. We basically treat kutis as non-Jews. What's the story with the kutim? They only wanted to deal with the Torah Shebisaf. They didn't want to interact with the Chazal and engage with the Svaras and the reasoning and the understanding of Chazal. So this is exactly someone who doesn't want to do Shumush Tamidei Chachomim. They weren't particular with Chachomim. And Rashi says... If you don't, um, look, they were just interested in appearing like, so where was it? Uh, yeah, they ju- were just interested in appearing like Tamidei Chachamim. They quote a lot of me, of uh, Tanakh. They know Tanakh really well, but they don't know any, they don't have know how to interpret the mitzvahs according to Chazal. Rebiyana Omar Hareza Kudiya, Reb Achaba Yaakov, Omar Hareza Magush. Reb Achaba Yaakov says this is a sorcerer. The sorcerer says, Omar Rav Nachum Bar Yitzchak Mistabrak Rav Bar Yaakov. It makes most sense to say that someone who learns Tanakh and Mishnah but not Gemara is a Magush, is a sorcerer. Why? The Omri Inchi Rotin Magush of Omar. As we know, people say, uh, sorcerer, he, I don't know what the, what's it, he casts spells, he rattles off spells, but he doesn't know what he's saying. And Tani Tana Veloyada my Omar. It's the same as someone who quotes Mishnayos, but he doesn't know what he's saying. What's a Magush? I must remember my grandfather speaking about this Gemara a few times. 
um, not only a Mugush, but all of them, is this is someone whose mind is not engaged with the Torah. All he does is he learns points. He learns it off by heart. He learns it by rote. It's never seeping into his mind. He's never learning the depth behind it. And that's like a sorcerer, because what is a sorcerer? A sorcerer changing nature. But he doesn't know really what he's doing. All his uh, Rebbe sorcerer, his, uh, his just his, uh, what do you call it, the sorcerer master taught him, is you say ABC, and this happens. You say um, um, DEF, and this happens. It's just random, just rattling off points that have no wisdom behind them. And we don't want the Torah to be that. The Torah has to be a wisdom. So if you're just going to rattle off Mishnayos and Halachas, that's uh, the same as a sorcerer. The Maharal has a long elaboration on this, but I think we better go on. It says, Ton Rabbon and Eza Amoritz, the rabbi said, what is an Amoritz? Now, throughout Shas, we find different definitions of Amoritz. There might even be different... Um, they might even be referring to different types of people in different contexts. In this context, we're referring to someone who, who doesn't know Torah. And as we said, someone who just learns Tanakh and Mishnah could also be considered an Amoret. But what is an Amoret? says it's someone who doesn't know Kriyashma, who doesn't say Kriyashma in the morning and evening, and the brochas of Kriyashma. Anyone who doesn't put on Tfilin. Ben says anyone who doesn't wear Tzitzis. Anyone who has children but he doesn't raise them to learn Torah. Another, the Achayrim say, even someone who, well, yeah, before we get to Achayrim, up to you, the Maral says quite beautifully on the first ones, he says, an Amoretz, when we speak about an Amoretz in this context, it's referring to someone who's totally physical. They have no connection to spirituality, they don't know anything. Says, so if he says, Kriyachma, Shachris, Avis with its brachas, what's he doing? He's connecting his mind to Hashem. He's accepting Hashem as his king. That's what saying Shema is. You're accepting Hashem as king. Oh, so he does have a connection to Hashem. So he's no longer an Amoret. His mind, his words, yeah, has a connection to Hashem. What someone who puts on tefillin, tefillin on your head, representing your neshama. So he does have a, someone who wears tefillin has a spiritual connection to Hashem. He's not purely physical. Someone who wears tzitzis, where you wear tzitzis as your, on your body. I mean, we wear it as a, almost a coat, but you wear tzitzis on your body, it's your clothes. So that's someone who's connect his actions. He's connecting his body to Hashem. So all these cases are people who, and so to someone, and a step further would be someone who wants his children, even if he doesn't know, he wants his children to grow up to be, to learn Torah and Tamil Chachomim. We see there's someone who's not purely physical. There's someone who in some way, whether it's through their, their shoma, their body, etc., or their actions, they want to connect to Hashem. And that's why they would not be an Amoret. Even someone who learns Tanakh and he learns Mishnah, but he doesn't do Tzimush Tamedech Chachomim, he's still considered an Amoret. If he just learns Psukim without Mishnah, then he's a Bur. If he doesn't do either, the Pasuk says about him, In certain contexts, even Zera Adam is like Zera Bahama. People who don't learn Torah at all, not even Tanakh, not even Mishnah, not even Gemara, are like Bahamas in certain aspects. Um, 
What's the Karaji very interestingly? I mean, I would have said this Gomorrah is like a Gadatus to teach us the importance of trying to understand the Torah we learn. Very simply. But Rashi actually points out there's also halachic ramifications. Can you trust their Tumantara? Can you trust them for Trumas and Masras? So this would, this halach, this piece actually has halachic ramifications. Yore, then, the, then we bring a prosok. Yore as Hashem, fear Hashem beni my son. I think this is David Amelech to Shlomo. For Melech and fear kings. Ve'im shoinim al tisarev. Don't mix with people who are shonim, who change, who are fickle. That's what we would have thought on the surface. So, this is people who learn halachas from Mishnah. Pshita, obvious, what else could the Pasuk be referring to, except for people, if not people, who say halachas from the Mishnahs? Again, the problem, as we know, someone who says halachas from Mishnahs, he doesn't get them. He could be saying the wrong halacha. He could be saying something that doesn't really explain the, the, the reason behind it. It says, Ma'u detaymeno, what would you have thought? Shoinim b'chait. It's people who repeat sins. Could Rav Huna, like Rav Huna said, dom, like Rav Huna, Doma Rav Huna, kiven cha'ovar odom aveira v'shona bo hutra loi. When someone does an aveira and then he repeats it, it becomes permitted to him. Kamash malan. So that's what he's coming to do. We're not referring to... David Amelech wasn't warning his son, don't go near people who do our various often. That's not good. Obviously, that shouldn't be your best friend. But what he's really referring to is people who paskin from Mishnah. Um, and it goes back to what we... Um, yeah, let's carry on. Uh, oh, just to remember, of course, they used to say when someone wanted to permit something that most people felt was Osir, they would say, oh, you're relying on the heter of Ravuna. <laughs> What's the heter of Ravuna? Once you've done something twice, you know, once you've done it a few times, you think it's permitted. It's really an Avera. Rav Huna's not telling us, oh, you do an Avera twice, you're now allowed to go and do the Avera. You eat, you eat non-kosher twice. Oh, it doesn't apply to you anymore. Rav Huna's telling us that you, it's hard to get past that Avera because it's considered the norm to you. The Tanoim, people who teach, teach Mishnahs, Destroy the world. Do you think they destroy the ruin the world? So it's Omar Avina, Shemori and Alotha, Mitog Mishnah Same. It's referring to people who paskin from a Mishnah. Tanya Namihaku, we have a Brisa which teaches the same thing. Omar Yeshua, Vichim Avle Oilam Haim, you're telling me that they destroy the world. They're the ones who bring civilization to the world. They're not the ones who destroy the world. As the Posuk says, the way of Halacha is his. Remember this, we know this Al Tikri. So you want to get through the world, you've got to learn halachas. So no, the problem is they paskin from the Mishnah. Rashi says, again, a very important Rashi here, says it's referring to, again, um, we're referring to someone who paskins from Mishnah. He destroys the world because he issues mistaken rulings. Or erroneous rulings. Since he doesn't know the reason behind the Mishnah. Sometimes you'll think two things are interrelated or connected and they're not. There are many times where we say a Mishnah is, who's the author of the Mishnah? Oh, it's so-and-so, which is an individual opinion, and it's not how we paskin. Another example, He doesn't know how to paskin in an early Machloikes Rishonim. You see in the Mishnah, Machloikes Hillel and Shammai, Machloikes Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, Machloikes Rabbi Shimon Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua. How do you paskin? So if you've just learned the Mishnah, you don't know you're going to get it wrong. 
Hilkach Moirin Horas Tois, so he issues wrong halachas, and that's why, even though something, so that's, and that's the, that's the weakness of a toner abonnet. Besula Tsailonis, Valmona Shoivis, Bekatan Shaloi Koluloi Chodoshov, Hare Elu Mavlioilam. A Besula who prays, who davens a lot, an Almona who's very friendly, always visiting her neighbors, and a young child who doesn't reach maturity, uh, he dies uh, premature, they destroy the world. We're going to see what this last one is. But the Gemara asks, Ini, you're telling me that they destroy the world? You should learn, Rabbi Yochanan says, I'll give you an example where you learn fear of sin from a basula. The kibul schar almona, and the importance of acting and getting reward from an almona. So Rabbi Yochanan was saying clearly the opposite. He says here. So the morale of the morale again. He, in a lot of these, he gives beautiful explanations. But um, he explains what's the issue with this woman is. Oh, let's let's just take it as this. Um, this um, we'll, we'll see the concern shortly. I'm not going to go into the morale now. Um, says, says, where do I know that you can learn how careful fear of sin, this high level of fear of sin from a basula? So, 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 he heard a woman fall on her face and say, You create a Ganadin and you create a Gehenim. You created Sadikim and you created Rishoim. I want, please, may it be your will that people don't stumble from me. Rabbi Yochanan says, what do we, how do we see fear of sin from here? Not only was she worried about her coming to sin, she was so in awe of Hashem that she didn't want people, she, it sounded like she was an attractive young girl, young lady, and she didn't want people to come to sin because of her. So that's a great awe and aspect of Yerushomayim. And... Um, where do we learn the, that the approach someone would have to reward for mitzvahs from this widow? There was this woman who had this nearby shul in her neighborhood, but she used to go to Rabbi Yochanan's base midrash to Davin. Isn't there a shul nearby? Why are you coming all the way to my yeshiva to Davin? So Omrele, she said to him, Rebi, do I not get reward for working for working walking further? It's famous halacha you might have heard, all things being equal, if you have two shuls, you should choose the further shul. So you can go to the shul next door, you can go to the shul down the road, or thing, you should go to the shul down the road, because you also get reward for that effort. So we see from this almona how much effort she put in to get rewards. So Rabbi Yochanan saying, look at her. She's an excellent example. You put in effort to your mitzvahs and you think about the reward. Um, so, so, so that's where we run. I'm interested now that's all things being equal. Obviously, if you can dive in better at one of the shuls, one of the shuls there's less talking, or Barovam Hadrash Melech, one is a larger community, or, uh, you know, there's all these other aspects that you have to take into account when you're choosing a shul. But one aspect is, if all things being equal, you choose the further shul. Um, so, so what do we see? That you, uh, a davening basula and a friendly almona who goes around the neighborhood are good 
are praiseworthy. They're not necessarily bad. So it says, no, Kika Amar Kukon Yachnai Barativi. We were talking about Yachnai Barativi. Those are the bad, um, those are the bad women that are a bad example. What was her case? She was a sorceress. But she wanted everyone to think she was so good. So one of her sorceries she would cause, when a woman was about to go into labor or give birth, she would cause, cause the womb to seal closed. And then she'd be in a lot of pain and struggling to give birth. And this pious woman would rock in and say, oh, let me daven for you. And she'd daven and then she'd quickly release the spell. And everyone would be like, wow, look at Yochanan by Shavni's um, tefillahs, what a tzadakis, what a tzadakis. And really she was just a sorcerer. And until one day a, a worker in her house saw this uh, bottle or something and it sounded like a child was rattling around inside of it. And he opened it and the spells were released and the woman was able to give birth without so they realized that she was a sorceress. But again, so the whole thing is these are people who on the surface act pious. So you have the single girl who spends a lot of time davening. Or you have this very friendly widow who's going to from house to house davening and trying to help them. If they're doing it superficially just to seem pious, they're the ones who destroy the world. On the other hand, obviously, if you have a pious one, a pious person... Then it's not. Interesting thing, uh, just one point. He says, why do you learn, the Maral says, why do you learn Yeres Chait from a Basula? Why not just say a young man? Why are we saying a Basula? He says, Parisha Basula, She, Muchna. There's an aspect of a, of a girl that is more, has a greater affinity to Yeres Chait because boys are, have lots of more hiruru. Girls don't have it as much. And therefore, um, it's in her nature to connect to Hashem with Yiras Chait um, more easier than a boy. So again, obviously these things are not, they're not black and white, what we're saying. As you can see from the same line, you can have a Basula who davens who's very pious, and you can have a Basula who davens who's uh, destroying the world. It depends what's in their heart. And I mean, obviously when you're dealing with people, that's what's in their heart is not black and white. People are complex. These things are different. But so each of these references, you have to try think. This is a message in Agarita and learning Gomorrah. We're speaking about the importance of understanding it. You've got to think, okay, so we want to teach a lesson of Yiras Chait and an affinity to Yiras Chait as opposed to someone who superficially acts like they have Yiras Chait. Why does it use a Basula? Who davens as an example? Why not use a young man who davens? Why not use a Zayda who davens? Why not? Why the mitzvah of davening? All of these help. You've got to unpack to get to the root of the issue. We don't have time to do it now, but it is something important to think about. And as I mentioned, the maral, the marshal, amongst others, always going into the agarita, trying to unpack and get to the depth of it. Then we said, my katan What do you mean a katan who has not completed his months? That doesn't sound like uh, like. What a, a child who dies prematurely is someone who destroys the world. So he says, no. So this is a Talmud Chacham who rebels against his teachers. And Rabbi Abba says, this is referring to a Talmud who is not yet ready to issue rulings, psak, and he does. Rabbi Abba says in the name of Rav Huna, Um. Yo, why is someone who rebels against his teachers? Because he's a child. He's not ready. They're, they're, sorry, they say he dies young. There's a curse. Someone who doesn't show proper respect to his teachers, even if he feels he's surpassed them or whatever, if he doesn't show proper respect, he'll die young. So that's why he's referred to as a child. He doesn't really get the bigger picture. 
and he'll die. He'll die young. And then the second example we gave was someone who's not ready to issue a psak, but he does. What does it mean? She killed. She killed many. She failed. She failed many. Amongst those who who she killed are the mighty. She killed many. That's referring to a Talmud Chacham who has not reached the level of psak, and he does issue a psak. And those who are mighty are amongst the ones she has killed. This is someone who has reached the level of psak, and he doesn't issue a psak. So that's where you, I don't know what he said, but you're, you're wrong if you do issue the psak and you're wrong if you don't issue the psak. You've got to be on the right level to do it. And if you don't, then you're wrong. If you're not on the right level, then you do. Rav Moshe, yeah, Rav Moshe grapples with this in his Akdama. He says, you see the Tamidei Chachamim, I'm paraphrasing it. You can look, but in his introduction, he says, I've seen Gedolim. I'm not like them and I'm not on the level to issue a psak. But there's no one else. What can I do? And he's got this uh, paradox to deal with. Um, you know, Rav Moshe Feinstein said that. Um, Ba'ad Kama, how old is someone when they are ready to issue a psak? At Arboim Shenin, when they reach 40 years. So someone shouldn't be issuing a psak until they're 40. He says, is that true? Ini v'ho rabba oiri rabba, the great rabba of the Mishnah by Robbers Rebbe used to issue psakim and he died at 40. So obviously you can bask and you can teach Torah on this high level younger than 40. So one says, yeah, but Shavin, okay, that's when you're equal to the, other, to the other people around. So if there are other rabbis around and you're not 40, but you're as great as them, or you're the most appropriate person in your town, then you have to, even if you're younger, even if you're not ready. Pardon? Maybe a Kiva Ega, I'm not sure. Is it? I don't know. But otherwise, the point is, it's not, it's not really by age. There's a, there's a 40 represents um, Bina. We know the Mishnah in Avos says when you're 40, you will have Bina. So there's a, there's a deep, there's an understanding that you need to have to issue a Psak. Um, and that you don't, and that's generally around 40. But obviously, if you're the most appropriate person, well, then you have to take the yoke. And I guess maybe we can say tongue in cheek, you better get your act together so that you don't fall into the category of someone who's not. If you are the equal to the other rabbis, so you're on the most level, even if you're not uh, yet 40, you better get your act together. Um, we say. Uh, yeah. Okay, Marcos Prushin. We mentioned in the Mishnah amongst the people who bring ruin and destruction to the world are those who um, beat themselves out of asceticism. Prushin is generally people who separate from the physical world. So they don't eat what's... You know, you're allowed to eat as long as it's kosher and healthy and necessary and in moderation. You're allowed to eat. It's generally a mitzvah to eat. But a porish will eat less, or you'll eat less fancy food. That's general, That's what a porish is, someone who separates from the physical world. Ton Rabban and Shiva Purushim Hain. The rabbis taught there are seven types of Purushim. And these are obviously the bad Purushim. We're not discussing someone who's on a level of Purushim. It says, Purushichmi. We're going to explain each of them. So I'm just going to read them. Purushichmi, Purush Nikvi, Purush Kazai, Purush Meducha, Purush Machoy Vasiva Eseno, Purush Ma'ava, Purush Meira. 
So now we're going to explain each of those seven types of parush. Parush shichmi zia oisemase shchem. A shichmi, a parush of shchem, that's someone who acts like shchem. What did shchem do? He had a bris milo, he got his whole town bris just so he could marry a girl. There's no piety in that, it's self-piety. It's causing suffering to himself for ulterior motives. So to anyone who causes suffer to themselves just to seem great, seem kosher, seem good, seem pious, that's a thing. Simba someone who's like, you know, I don't eat that, it's not on my level of kashras. Okay, I mean, if they are on that level, it's one thing. If they are really concerned about kashras, it's another thing. But if they're doing it just to fit in with being pious, that's a porish chimi. Shikhmi. Then porosh nikfi. Zehamanakif esraglov. This is uh, a knocking. This is someone who shuffles his feet. He knocks his toes with me. He walks like he's very lowly. We'll see a few that are similar to this, if, as I understood them. I'm sure they each represent different ideas. I'm confident that they each represent different ideas. But, um, but in my mind, he's acting, he's acting lowly. Look what a lowly person I am. False humility. Says, Porush Kazai. What's this? Omar al-Nakhon by Yaakov. Say, I make his damn solim. This is someone who bloodlets on the walls. What do you mean he bloodlets on the walls? He's, he says, look, I want to be pious. I know if I walk around with my eyes open, I'll see things that I shouldn't see. So I'm going to walk around with my eyes closed. He bashes his head on the walls and leaves blood, leaves blood on the walls. That's, this, that's what you're referring to. Again, someone who's acting with false piety, he's uh, closing his eyes and walking around with closed eyes just to not see things he shouldn't see. Obviously, you should put in effort to not see what you shouldn't see, but he's not on their level. Porush Meducha. What's a parish meducha? A pesos bar shila ki meducha. This is someone who bends over like a meducha. He walks again. It's like humble walk, putting his head down. Look how lowly I am. Again, it's all superficial. Parish A parish who says, "What is my obligation?" and I'll do it. Well, isn't that a good thing? If I say, "What do I need to do?" Tell me my mitzvahs. Tell me how to fulfill, how to come close to Hashem, and I'll do it. That's a good thing. She says, "No." He's saying it's actually rhetorical. He's saying, "Is there any obligation I don't fulfill, and I will do it?" My grandfather used to say, "I mean, my grandfather used to speak again. What should our approach to mitzvahs, and what should we be serving, and what chumras and pirushim and uh, hidurim should we invest ourselves in, and what?" Should we not? But I just remember on this, he says, says one of the dangers of a Qumrah is you, you, in a way you're saying, well, I follow every halach in Shulchan Aruch, and now I'm looking for the next level. He says, really? You follow, you're careful with every single detail in Shulchan Aruch that you're now ready for the next level? Well, Shulchan Aruch doesn't even bring as an obligation? He says, that's, uh, that's what he's doing here. That's false, uh, that's most likely false piety. Porush ma'avo. Porish Meira, so he explains this is someone who separates out of love for reward. He's not doing it because he wants to come close to Hashem. He's doing it for the reward. And Porish Meira is someone who separates out of Yira, not because he's afraid, he's in awe of Hashem, but because he's just afraid of punishment. That's not such a high level. Abayin Rav says you should have actually cut out these last two. Says why? He says no. You should always, as we know, Rabbi Yehuda said, the name of Rabbi, you should always delve into Torah because even if it's not for the good intents now, it will lead to the good intents. When you're young and you're learning for the reward and you're not doing various because you feel of punishment, but you invest yourselves in them, it will lead to the good path. And. Uh, 
And that's what he's saying. So Ava and Yurid, learning because you love reward. Or, you know, doing mitzvahs because you love reward. And separating from sin because you're afraid of punishment, it's a good start. So he said, take it out the list of those who destroy the world. Tosos, whenever this subject comes up, Tosos bring, because we see in Tanis, the Gemara says, Anyone who delves into Torah Shalolishmo, it's a poison for him. And there's another Gemara in Brochos, which says, so, and anyone who delves into Torah, it's better he didn't be created. So what do you mean, it's best, Shalolishmo is good because it will lead to Lishmo. You see these other two Gemaras, conflicting Chazals, that it's the worst, it's rather don't even be created. So different answers, Tosos gives different answers in one place. The one I remember is he says it depends on your motivation. So if you're doing mitzvahs for reward, it's not the best mitzvah. The mitzvah should be done because you want to serve Hashem. You're doing it for the reward? Not the best, but it's not bad. You're still doing the mitzvah because you want to do the mitzvah. Or learning Torah because you want to learn the Torah. But what happens if you're learning Torah so you can argue and disprove uh, the rabbis? Or you're learning that to a kanchanim. You're learning for negative motivations. That's when it's bad. What happens if you're learning for honor? I'll leave that for you to think about. You learn Torah because you want the honor. Or you do mitzvahs because you want the glory. Uh, is that because that's in between? Oh, so uh, yeah, that you have to. So you have to kneel. Not a problem. Okay. Omar Nachman Bar Yitzchak. The metamra metamra. What's hidden will remain hidden. And what's revealed is revealed. I. What actions you do in this world, you can keep secret. Or what your thoughts. What's it? Sorry, not your actions. Your thoughts are secret. Nobody else can see what you're thinking and why you're doing mitzvahs. And what's revealed, your actions, that's clear. Keep. Now, why is this brought in here? Because if you notice throughout this daf, and even yesterday's daf, what's a lot of the issue? Is this false piety. This trying to get people to follow you, etc. Acting pious when you're not really there. Or, you know, quoting Torah so that people listen to you when you don't really understand it deeply and clearly. Those are all people who are... Um, who are... Uh, that's what, what's hidden, people can't see. Your thoughts and your motivations are hidden. But what's revealed, your actions are revealed. It says, And the great Beisdin, Hashem's Beisdin, will take account for those who wear tzitzis. What does it mean for those who wear tzitzis? He'll take account. Uh, those who put on the jacket that doesn't fit. They, they, they acting pious when they're not really pious. They're putting on tzitzis, they clothing, look up, look, I'm wearing my tzitzis, my tzitzis are hanging out, I'm a half, I'm a good, righteous person, when on the inside they're not. So that's what he's saying. Beisdin will punish the person who wears these um, tzitzis. Let me just say, I think there was a point I wanted to bring in the, from the Maharal. Um, no, okay, I don't... Uh, um, I don't remember there's an idea I wanted to bring on why specifically tzitzis, but let's go on. Oh my Lord, Yana Malka, Lidvisaihu. Yana Malka said to his wife, t- now this was when Yana was going to die, his wife was very worried because Yana had, in, in those days it was split between the, well there were a few splits, but there was a large split in Israel between the Tzidukim and the Pirushim. The Tzidukim were the Sadducees, the Pirushim, we would often refer to as Chazal. 
those who followed the Tamilei Chachamim. Our our train comes from generally comes from the largely follows the Perushim, but Yanai had killed most of the Perushim. Uh, not Mo, he had killed a whole lot of Tamirei Chachon. So, he was, so his wife was really worried, I'm going to want my sons to be the king after you die, and all the Perushim are going to come and uh, not, not allow it to happen because they're so cross with you. So what did he tell his wife? He says, you don't have to be afraid from the Perushim. And Rashi explains, they're Tzadikim, they're not going to take revenge on my sons because of me. The Perushim are Tzadikim, you don't have to worry about them. I thought it was kind of, Rashi's saying it, but it's like counterintuitive that Yanai would think, would be that, but he's sensitive. He says, Chazal are pious. They're not going to take revenge on our sons because of what I did. And you don't have to worry about the Tzidukim, etc. Because they're my friends. They're also not going to stop it. Who do you have to be careful about? Those wearing colored clothes. I, they look like Perushim and they act they're similar to the Perushim. Are they not tzaddikim on the inside? They just act pious. And their acts are like Zimri, but they want reward like Pinchas. They act, remember Zimri was the story with the Midianite woman. He was the prince of Ruvain and he sinned with the princess, Cosby, and uh, he brought a huge chilal Hashem. But he expects the reward of Pinchas to resolve the whole issue. So again, these people who act one way on the outside but are different on the inside that's who we have to avoid i was hoping to get into the mishnah but we'll leave the mishnah for tomorrow